What's up, everybody? Episode 32 of the Operators Podcast. We have all four operators in the room. It is Cyber Monday. We've recorded this live on Cyber Monday. We talk how Black Friday went. Stay till the end for a very, very special not safe for work screenshot uh, from one of the operators who exposes it all. Uh, we have a panzerism, talk about Amazon, run through wins and losses, how to plan for Q5. Probably the best episode we've ever done. Thanks for being here. Thank you, North Beam, for being a sponsor. Sandland for being a sponsor. And Fulfill for fixing all of my ops issues, EDI and everything included. Fulfill the number one sponsor on earth. Thanks for being here. Enjoy the episode. Why is Sean doing like the the radio, the the interviewer style, Mike? (laughs) He switched. High need for control. Yeah, look, yeah. I've been I've been doing this for the past couple of weeks. I guess it's been a while since we all got together, but uh You've got Drew Drew Carey uh prices right vibes to me, Sean, <laughs> when you're when you're hint there. You know, I just gotta be different. That's that that's why I'm doing it. You know, I'm the only young guy, I'm the only funny guy, I'm the only guy who understands <laughs> e-commerce. I just gotta be different. The only I guy when, who's I love, I love when likely Sean to be incarcerated. Just like, just like quietly rips on us it's good yeah yeah he's that guy um but we were just talking about we were just talking about thanksgiving and stuff before we started recording and i will say what's what's incredible is um how little i actually had to work or worry this year like how dialed we have everything this year well, almost everything. The only thing we don't have dialed is like, it turns out that we ordered a lot of cookware. <laughs> <laughs> you and I just keep telling everyone, like, Sean, I'm, this is you're gonna, this is a good one. But you're kind of saving my bacon here. I'm like, well, Rich keeps one quarter of inventory on hand. Like we're so used to not, not having anything. We actually are, are going to exit the year with a reasonable amount of inventory so that we can actually step on the gas in December. Like we've, this was my fourth BFCM at Hexclad and we've never been able to really, really, really push hard in like the last week before the shipping cutoff. So that's going to be fun. And so Sean's tweet was very timely about like December and crushing. Yeah, man. Yeah. What go ahead, Sean. Well, I was just going to say, Jason, um, how much inventory did you used to keep on hand at, at, at any given point? Like what's, what's the rolling average did you guys used to keep on hand? You know, there's, and, there's really no way to measure because like I joined in April, 2020, like beginning of the pandemic. And we've been basically hand to mouth with inventory, like just mm-hmm. trying to get, get it and shipping it for, for so long um, that this is really, I actually don't know what, is the right level of inventory that nobody also does because by the we, way we keep growing so much faster than i think we possibly can so like we are up over 150 percent in november over last wow yeah um, it's so hard to keep like a good like months of supply on hand when your business is doubling because it's like that's really what creates like yeah cash constraints variance yeah but i mean that's what i've always told 
you and your team when I'm like, you guys need to spend less money. It's it's simply just a, a factor of inventory. There's no reason to try to scale if you don't have inventory. You're just lighting money on fire. But if you're going to Q1 with inventory, this is 2024 is the year that Hexcloud can do a billion dollars in revenues if you have the inventory to support it. So that's exciting, man. Yeah, it was good. And we, um, you know, it's interesting. I was just sort of like looking through our metrics. Um, I mean, I shared I shared a bunch of numbers with the the chat over um, over the weekend and stuff. And um, we definitely did sales wise. We beat my expectations um, reasonably well. Our efficiency was pretty good. Um, like very very acceptable though i wouldn't have i would have i think i'm a little used to really high mer and we just we knew we had a lot of inventory so we took some risk uh and stepped on the gas and and we still couldn't spend like we were trying to spend more right on meta and like we just i think we spent like two million on black friday um and in other days and we were just like we're just you know, we, we set everything up and it just like, you just can't find, you can't find the spend. It's, it was crazy. Well, e-com operator question. What do you want those cash back points, man? You guys traveling or, I mean, that's, that's a, that's, that's a lot of credit card points. <laughs> going with, golfing. Man. I know the answer to that. <laughs> He's going golfing. No I hit my cup last night as I was scrolling through this list of top golf courses and there's, there's one in Tulsa. That's a bucket list course. So. I'll just um, tell you, I, I have sent out a feeler and the word I got back, Jason, was we've got this. So <laughs> I will, uh, I'll let you know when I have the details. If Mike Beckham texts me, I got you, I just shut up. I just oh, know it's done. Dude, it's, the, it's like the Oklahoma mafia. Like if you need something done in, in, in the Great Plains, Mike's got you, dude. <laughs> yeah, Jason, well, we don't have that many great golf courses. So, you know, when somebody wants to come and visit our great state, we want to welcome them. Yeah, no kidding. Of course let's, you do. Let's talk about that light at the end of the tunnel, Jason. Um, you're at a point right now where your individual work it like is so far in the future, such a strategy pace that you can have a Black Friday, Cyber Monday, and you don't have to break, you know, a sweat. You're not up like worrying about that. And I think a lot of people listening would love to hear like what it takes to get to that point because I feel the same way this year. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I don't care. Like we have people yeah. who make sure the stuff goes out. We have people running ads. Like my stress level is actually all time low as well. So what did it take for you to get to your business to that point? And maybe something for all the people bleeding this week to look forward to in the next couple of years. You know, we really invested in our team. You know, we were very fortunate that we were able to attract really good talent. And I, I think that maybe next to Ridge, we have the best growth marketing team out there. And we actually took, we took bets on people. Like we, we hired people that were maybe too young for the position, too experienced for the position, but we had experience with them and knew they fit. And, um, and they really just, performed well like it's building up through the entire year but it was i think one of the keys was we hired people that were maybe less experienced than you would think um but but based on our own judgment 
of their character and capability. And that has really gone very far for us. We were very agency heavy in, um, in 2022. Like we hired our head of retention probably in August and he, he's just like killed it for us. He's absolutely mm-hmm. killed it for us. Um, the, uh, we, we took a, and he, he was, he was a little more experienced, but like, you know, Connor, our head of growth, he, I just knew he was a great guy. He, um, he's a young guy, you know, Cam who works on the growth team with him. They're like bookends. Um, also young guy. They're like, you know, your age, Sean. And this is with a company our size. Everyone's telling me, Oh, you gotta, you gotta hire people, you know, big name people, big brand people. And I'm like, I want us to stay scrappy. That's like when we talked last week, Mike, about um, process versus results oriented. I think that's the, that's the message. Like figure out how no matter what to stay scrappy. Mm-hmm. That's sick. I mean, how's everybody else feeling? You know, me, me and Jason feel pretty, pretty calm through this storm. Mike, how, how did the week treat you? So we're obviously situated a little bit different in that we, we've got obviously like omni-channel, all that stuff, like the cake is baked. There's, it gets baked weeks, months, I don't know, beforehand. Um, there's some working with retailers like Target, Walmart to figure out if you're going to run sales, if you're going to be in the circular, that kind of stuff. But the, I've actually been inspired by this group and, and the chat groups that we're in to really lean into D to C and growing that part of our business. So for me, it was actually exciting. Um, there, there was very little of the business that I had to be involved with, but I actually got fairly tactically involved just because, um, I'm really kind of, I don't know, invigorated by growing the D to C side of our business. I mean, unlike the, the three of you, we haven't historically, I think last year we joked about this in the chat. I think we spent $5,000 marketing on black Friday, which, um, is like, in some ways it was awesome that we were putting up the numbers we were with only spending that much. But then in another way, it was kind of an indictment on my leadership. I felt like that we hadn't figured out how to really ramp paid acquisition. And so this year it was like, okay, we're going to absolutely lean into that. And uh, I got a lot more involved in how we were going to do that. So, you know, we still, I mean, you know, whatever, Jason spending $2 million on Black Friday, I think we spent $110,000. But for us, year over year, that's actually pretty significant. We really proved out the concept that we could scale paid in some ways. We still hit really good efficiency. I mean, we hit absurd efficiency when you look at the entire business. And for me, I, I don't know if, if you guys can resonate with this. If I get too far abstracted for too long, I start to really lose motivation. And so what's awesome is I have this great team and maybe this goes back to your stay in scrappy thing, Jason, I have this amazing team that can handle everything, but then also I have the ability to parachute back into parts of the business from time to time and be a part of helping the team level up and learning and things like that. And I actually really enjoy that. It's one of the things that keeps being an operator enjoyable to me is that I can still get in the trenches some and, and figure out problems, especially when they're like pioneering problems. So that was my, mm-hmm. my black Friday. And it was, it was great for us. I mean, it was the most successful, the, the last four days have been the most successful period in company history and, um, a lot to be thankful for. Mm-hmm. So 
you know, the dichotomy of being an operator. Mike in 2022 spent $5,000 on Black Friday. Jason this year spent $5,000 every 90 seconds. That's, that's what the math works out to. So just on meta, the guy's, uh, the guy's crazy. Well, Matt, let's, let's hear from you, man. How, how are you feeling? It's just a normal week for you Canadians. So just random big spike in sales or what? I was saying before, man, like great, like Mike, best weekend ever. Um, for sure. Like for sure, for sure. Um, I mean, the story for us was like wildly efficient this year. Like for sure. I mean, like revenue, I mean, like unit volumes were up like 91%. Our sub take rate was like, we got like 2.3 times the subscribers this year over last year. Um, MER was stupid. I think Black Friday was like a 12 or a 14. It was just dumb. And like, we could have spent more, but like, why? <laughs> like, I'm so happy with the efficiency that we saw that... It's just like we made the call. We're like, look, we're doubling year over year. We don't need to more than double. That just makes next year that much harder. So like from a comp perspective. Um, and and I think what we saw, there's a few things, but like um, we did not buy enough inventory for the holidays on Lomi. Like no way. Um, like I will be out of our two devices, I think before the end of the year. So like we'll have some amount of time in January where I'm like probably nothing <laughs> in stock. It's a good problem. Like it's it's a great problem to have, but we for sure did not order enough inventory this year. Um, and our lead times are long. So like that's a really tricky thing for us. Like when you're making a device, like lead times are very long on parts of that device. Um, you know, Pila Case was just like wildly efficient up year over year, just did really well. I like, I'm like, Mike, I like to just, I don't have to, but I like getting in the weeds. Like I live in our ad accounts all weekend, just checking shit, trying not to like step on the toes of the people who are in there doing things, but still I really enjoy it. And I think that I also live in there because I've got enough experience that I can point stuff out to folks that maybe like they've only been in the brand for a year or two years and I, I've been around for a while. So like there's just context that might be missing from new people. So that's why I stay there. Yeah. What's interesting is our European stores crushed it because yep. Black Friday is a noun in a lot of places. Like, like they, they understand that like, oh, this is when sales start for Christmas, right? So you ever notice that Europe doesn't, they don't shop that much on Saturday though? I've never done You should, you it. should go look. I guarantee you, you'll see like, you'll be like, why is it like, you'll look at the European countries like Friday to Saturday and the European countries are like, fuck that. Like I'm going out, I'm having fun. And it's like here, people continue to shop pretty, like pretty heavily all weekend. I don't know, like, what do you guys see for, I know we talked about this in the chat a bit, but like for the listeners, what do you see from a Friday to Saturday, Sunday drop? in, in sales as a percentage. And then how does Monday typically look for, for you guys? Maybe Sean, do you want to kick us off and tell folks, what are you anticipating? Yeah. And a lot of people approach this with historical data. And I just think shopping patterns have been so askewed the past couple of years that like, it's so fucking hard to look at historical results and plan this out. Um, last year, you know, was probably the first year post COVID. But then if you look at historical data from 2020 to 2021, like in-person shopping trends would have been totally fucked up. And like, maybe those are back to normal. So this year we tried to model it off of what happened historically. And here's how it deviated. We typically have a banger 
I mean, we we start having million dollar days pretty early in the week, right? As we scale up into holiday. So we have like a pretty big Thursday. Friday's like a a a multi, multi-million dollar day. So we start putting up, you know, several million dollars. Friday's typically like the crown jewel. It's the peak. We then see a you know, probably 50% reduction into Saturday. And then we typically see a 30% reduction on Sunday. This year didn't happen. Sunday was bigger mm. than Saturday. So we actually saw slight decrease, slight ramp up. And then today we're recording this five central cyber Monday, the day itself. The today doesn't matter until like 8 PM. <laughs> like our, our hour spike so high towards the end wow, of the day. Really? Yeah. Huh. yeah Plus the, two, Mike. So well, like, let's go. The workday doesn't matter. I'm 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 happy recording this right now because my life doesn't matter for another hour and a half. That's super yeah. interesting. Yeah. Like, so like I don't care. Yeah. Basically, the first I would guess you could call it 14 or 16 or 18 hours of the day does 30 percent of the volume, and then there's just like I mean the biggest hours of the entire weekend start happening in like an hour or whatever. So like eight o'clock Eastern through eight o'clock Pacific are like the biggest hours today. So yeah. we'll see how that shapes up, but we've never had a cyber Monday bigger than a black Friday. A lot of people are the reverse. Like we're talking, we've never had it either. Yeah. People in chat, like tech companies, like, you know, we have somebody who does electronics, their cyber Mondays typically rip. We've never had that, but mm. I would like to talk about individual sales channel breakdowns and what we've seen happen. So I will, that's, that, that's my, that, that, that's my kind of sales candlestick. If you guys want to share yours and then we should talk about where sales are coming from on a channel level. Mike, what, what did you see? And then maybe Jason. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm actually pulling some numbers right now, but okay. So generally, and, and this is actually just kind of an interesting difference between different sales channels. What we've seen on Amazon, this is true last year and, and it's proving true this year is that we see about 48% of Black Friday on Saturday, then about 57% of Black Friday on Sunday, and then just a little over like 1.02 or 102% on Monday. Wow. So with Amazon, we get those bookends end up being about equal. And then you do about half of that um, on average Saturday. and Or you do about the equivalent of a third one of those with Saturday and Sunday put together. So it's kind of like whatever you do on Black Friday, take that and multiply it by three. That's that's usually what you get. Hmm. Um, interestingly, like if you look at channels that are physical retail, you see less of a spike. So for example, last year with Target, uh, on Saturday, we did 73% of Black Friday. We did 71% on Sunday and 62% on Cyber Monday. So the cyber part of Cyber Monday seems to be really true. Whereas Amazon's putting up this a little bit better than Black Friday volume. Um, Target's putting up 40%, 35 to 40% less. Uh, and again, it's actually really interesting because I'm looking at years side by side here and Amazon, our website, Target and Walmart, and basically the exact same trends seem to be uh, seem to be holding up. So uh, I was expecting today to be down for us on dot com. We had our biggest day ever on Friday, and so I thought I thought we changed up the offer for Monday, and I thought we were going to take a step down. But it actually looks like we're going to be bigger, especially if we get the night boost that you guys are talking about. Wow. Um, we're we're ahead of our cyber of our uh, Black Friday number right now. So um, 
anyway, it's it, but it is interesting watching the different channels and how they behave. Jason, what about you? How does the weekend like Friday, Monday look? Pretty, pretty consistent. Um, Amazon has been about like 20% the size of our hexclad.com business the whole time through. It's just sort of the way it works out. There were a few days in October where I don't know what was going on on Amazon. They were like discounting our product or something. Um, but yeah, Amazon um, is like 20%. And, and that's really, you know, we have our, our main channels are uh, hexa.com, Amazon, and then, and then Costco and, and Costco has, has done really well too. We're on Costco.com. We do that every other month. Not, not all the time. It's just the way Costco works. And, um, yeah. the road show typically in November is actually the lowest number of shows per year because I guess they don't want people demoing in the store leading up to Black Friday and, and the holidays and such. So that's sort of kicking back up now. Yeah, they black um, out, right, Jason? What's that? They have a blackout, right? Like for yeah, Roadshow yeah, in, in November? Where like it's they going on forever. But yeah. interesting in terms of spends, um, we couple couple of insights that I think were, were fun. Um, one is you know, Meta was 83% percent of our spend over the bfcm period and um tiktok which has had really high cpas for us for a while uh, on a one-day click um was actually our second lowest cpm uh, which was interesting um we probably we spent like six percent of our spend on tiktok uh, 5% on Google. Um, we actually ran a bunch of TV spots that we picked and choose, uh, and chose over certain sporting events over the time period. And we ran our new holiday spot, which, which did really well. And, um, another really interesting thing is that like, the creative, the assets that we used for just our ads, there was literally nothing special about any of them except, yo, there's a sale. <laughs> like, I mean, you know, it's all branded. It's all hexclad. It's all that. But like, <laughs> I think the, the hay is in the barn when you get to BFCM and like pulling out, like notwithstanding like the solo stove, um, Snoop Dogg thing, which I thought was was pretty cool. Like, unless you're going to do something like really special, we we launched a ton of new ads, but they were all like sale ads, very similar. Yeah, I mean, a lot of statics that did really really well. So, investing in creative volume or asset volume, I think, was good. But I don't think we like would make sense to really spent they come just coming up with like the coolest most awesome creative when everyone is like really just looking to pull the trigger to me i don't know i don't know what you guys think about that but it's just interesting to me that you know there was really nothing special about our creative about our ads yeah it's Ours not was like offer heavy yeah Same it's, thing. it's not a good time to be storytelling P -p people don't have time or attention for story right now what they want is like 
I, I know I want it. How much is it? Let me buy it as quickly as possible. So I think that's totally yeah. good. Yeah. I, I, I think um, we're similar, I would say, to Sean. Like our sales look like a camel's back for the week. It's like Friday's the big spike. They come down about 50%. 60, like we do about 50 to 60% of the volume on Saturday, Sunday. And then Monday, I don't know. We're trending pretty well right now, but it's like 70% of whatever Friday was is usual. And that seems to be kind of where we're hitting this year. Again, like volumes are up quite a bit for us. Um, on pretty, like the crazy thing for me is just like how we're not, like I'm spending the same amount of money I did last year, but we're just getting, like I think our mix is a little bit better this year. Like I'm only spending about 60% of our ad dollars on Facebook on Lomi um, for this, like this holiday period. And I, my second biggest channel in spend right now is television. And like, it's, it's such a dark art because like TV doesn't show up well in North Beam or anywhere because it's not a click-based platform. Um, but it shows up a lot in post-purchase survey for us, like a lot. Uh, and it's my fastest moving top of funnel channel for TV, sure. TV in general? Yeah. Yeah, from like you know, the when did I hear about it? When I hear mm -hmm. about you to when did I buy? Mm -hmm. Television smokes every single channel for speed from awareness to conversion. It's not even close, guys. It's like three times faster than Facebook. Totally agree. Totally agree with that. We've been um shout out to some North Beam MMM um and and some other areas which we've been doing the work, but we saw this a year ago, how impactful TV has been for us. And yeah, and I've been saying this too. It's like a lot of people are on Facebook, but not everyone is on it. Not everyone is on Instagram. Like, I don't even my think it's controller that, and my and my staff accountant. I'm talking to them the other day, and they're like, because <laughs> I wanted them to log into Meta to be able to check how much we owe Meta because we went on invoicing <laughs> for this period. They're like. We need to create meta accounts to log in. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, you don't have a Facebook account? Like, no. Like, what? You don't have a Facebook account. You're you're in your early 30s, late 30s, late 20s. Wow. No, no, no account. So, and also, I think TV just gives you your brand a level of credibility and trust. It's trust. Just by being there. It's trust, man. It's, it's also like, I think it depends on who you serve. You know, like our customer on Lomi is older. They're in their forties, fifties, sixties, seventies, you know, they're, it's 40 and up. And for us, like from a trust and discovery, television just makes you feel like a real boy. Whereas like, I think that for that age, co all those age cohorts, social media over time loses trust. Like it just, it just does like the, the, like how many, I mean, if you got a young audience, you don't see it as much, but like, go look at ads for old people. And I promise you the number one comment is this is a scam. Like I promise, like that's a guaranteed that if you sell to like 50 and up, most of the comments are like this, they're just calling it out as a scam if it's on Instagram or Facebook. Yeah, I think I think the divide is like 1980. If you were born before 1980, yeah. TV builds trust. If you're born yeah. after 1980, influencer builds trust. I think those yes. are the only the only two ways to to do it through a digital landscape. Totally for, for everybody. I think billboards, you know, works. 
So you could always get into that. Are you are you mocking uh, what we talked about? Or are you being serious, Sean? I can't no, tell right now. No, no, I am. I am being serious. I think. I think. Uh, look, dude. I think your billboard's sick. And I think if you want to, because that is something. Anything in the physical world. That's why. That's why I like wholesale. It's just is if you're yeah. physically in front of yeah. somebody, you're undeniably real. Yeah. How many impressions come from? Uh, I've thought about that before, Sean. That exact idea. How, if we, we think about digital impressions, how many impressions come from people walking by our product on a shelf? And it, I mean, uh, hundreds of millions? I don't know. It has to be a really big number. I will say this about the billboard thing. Gosh, man, I just, and maybe again, it's mine, but I see it all the time. Like, I feel like I see it all the time when I'm just driving around. And so I, I don't know, we're going to, we'll run some numbers and I'll, I'll let you guys know. I've looked at some Google Trends stuff and I, I kind of look at how relatively strong is Oklahoma compared to and, and Oklahoma City compared to other markets, and uh, it's it's pretty impressive. Who knows, you know, how much billboards and other things are driving it? But isn't I don't know if I talked about it on this pod or if it was with my team, but I think Kevin from Epic Gardening posted this on Twitter at one point, where like there was a guy that parks his semi truck on an overpass in San Diego and just pays the fucking parking ticket, and because he's like, I'll put an eighteen wheeler on top of this, on this bridge and I'll just leave it there. And like, you can find my ass all you want. <laughs> He's like, but I'm, I'm over like the I five or like whatever that highway That's is. Amazing. He's like, it's the best impressions I get for a dollar well, by dollar basis. Knowing, knowing California, once the truck's been there for 30 days, you actually own the entire you overpass. Own the bridge. Yeah, yeah exactly. you can't be evicted. You're good, man. <laughs> Dude, Mike, that's a zing, man. That's a good one. I take it back. You're, the, you're, you're another funny guy on the podcast. <laughs> I can die happy now. Dude, Sean, okay. what was, what uh, was I, your mix for, for the for the weekend? I, I, I want to know because you're such a hardcore like DR paid guy. Where did uh, you guys spend the most money? But far and away meta. Quick comment. Yeah. The reason I have the, the microphone, you guys can tell when I want to talk. See? I can, ah. I, can, I can move it up and now you guys know I'm signaling to the other podcast people when it's my turn. We stop talking over each other. But uh, you know, uh, everyone I talked to had a better year over year from a paid perspective. A lot of people, and I, I don't want people to listen to this and be like, oh, the operators are fucking dunking because they had a great season. It is more, this year is the tale of two cities more than ever. I've said it for like nine fucking months. So you guys are probably like, Sean, shut the fuck up. But um, there are removing Hexclad, like every all cohort data has to remove Hexclad because they are, they are in a separate- They don't count. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a separate universe that for some like in in Hexclad world, it's like the government forces you to buy them or something. Like it's a, it's a separate world, but it's most people fall into two camps: um, down fifteen percent or up thirty percent. That is like the most people I talk to are doing one of those two things, and the common thread throughout those people is Meta is better year over year. So. You know, we have a really close relationship with Meta Reps. Don't hit me up. I cannot get your how, your account unbanned. But we're in like the disruptors program, which is like you have like way more attention for Meta. So they send you like just like a bunch of data. And Meta CPMs were down year over year. Oh, interesting. I, yeah. So I think other people have pulled out and they've just increased ad load. If you go on TikTok, ad load is at like 80%. So I think Meta has just increased ad load so that they can lower CPMs. Um but Meta's doing fucking amazing. Like it's 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 the best performance we've seen since like 2020. So, uh, 
we spent most of our money there. Non-branded search, search did did really well as, but like, you know, we still spent on tertiary channels. TikTok, Snapchat looking okay. YouTube Shorts actually doesn't look very good. Twitter has a very strong matchback offer, so mm. like you have to include the matchback in it, and if you do that, the results look good. But yeah, pretty diversified. Meta totally won. But I want to talk about sales channel breakdown because I think Amazon is fighting an aggressive fight to win market share away from TikTok and Timu. That's why we had a Black Friday football game and it totally worked. Our Amazon sales were up 100 plus percent all weekend. Our website sales were not up 100%, right? So so Amazon- yeah, you guys, you guys check that out. I've just seen a massive increase in Amazon's share of voice and also Facebook shops. That's a dirty secret. Facebook shops is fucking crushing it. TikTok shops is a joke. Facebook shops is so much better. But anyway, where, where are you guys seeing sales come in? I'm looking right now. Amazon for us on Lomi. Oh yeah, it actually grew faster year over year than D2C did. Uh, not by much though. It's like up. 96% DTC is up like 91%. Um, that's actually super interesting, Sean, the, the, the comment on Amazon. I was wondering why like Bezos was selling stock. Maybe that's it. Maybe he's like, it's crushing. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, it just hit a, what, like an all, a 52 week high and yeah. an all time high or something. I mean, uh, it's doing, and listen, the fact that they're not hitting, the fact that they're not hitting their prime delivery windows it's that either tells that, you something. Yeah, it's either that like there's a real breakdown in management or that like the volume is bigger than they anticipated. It, well, probably Mike, you're both. so heavy Amazon. Like what did you see year over year? And then Jason, I know Amazon's 20% of your business. It's the same for us, by the way. Um, what, Mike, what did you see like so for we Amazon were, we year over year? We were plus 83, I think, on oh, wow. Amazon. But we're also, you know, we're, are, are, we're at this point, we're, we're like – I mean, we had an over a million dollar day on Amazon on Friday, so it's at it's at some real scale. Um, but it, it's amazing when you're at that scale and it can hit a plus eighty three, right? Yeah, that's pretty wild, Jason. What was your did your D to C increase more year over year or did Amazon? Um, about the same, I think for us. Yeah. Oh. Um, Amazon's been yeah been once again. But yeah, we don't count. Just just don't even ask me these questions. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I know, but it's still like relative. Okay. So like if he's up 150, like was is that mostly D to C? Like does one overweight the other? I mean, I'm not gonna compare. I just like <laughs> curious on a percentage basis. Matt, I don't think you understand uh, what the, happens on for Black the Friday. month um right now, Amazon is up hundred and twenty percent over last year. Um and Hexclad is up. 140. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, what I what what we saw happen is I well actually I'm just gonna speculate. This is Sean speculation time. Met <laughs> uh you know the old school arbitrage play when you click a tabula ad and then you go to a page and there's tons of ads and it's a list and you have to click through and it reloads the page with new ads every time. That is somebody paying tabula for 10 cents, but then making a profit, showing you a bunch of ads. It's ad arbitrage, right? Hmm. Amazon has basically figured that out as well. They're like, okay, we'll spend $100 million to sponsor an NFL game on Black Friday. We're going to spend money on 
Google search and Google shopping and all these different places to drive clicks to Amazon because we want to increase GMV because we know we can get an extra $2 out of every click on Amazon, right? Just charging merchants. So we saw on Friday, just, you know, a share of Amazon sales and really starting like on like last Monday, slowly creep up and start spiking. And we've just had record Amazon days, like four days in a row. Every day is, is doing fantastic. So Amazon was really big. And then Facebook shops, I mean, I've been saying it at like 10% of Shopify revenues coming from Facebook shops, which at our scale is crazy. So, Dude, that's uh, what did Shopify say? They did 4.1 billion on Friday. That would mean that like if that checks, that's like 400 million or so. Yeah. yeah, somebody posted. It was pretty interesting. They, uh, I guess, uh, somebody from Shopify posted the number of what they had transacted, and then Stripe posted their number. And so somebody did the math that Shopify was forty uh, percent of Stripe's transaction volume. And and then somebody threw out the question of like, hey, at some point, why don't these companies merge or one of them buys the other? Because obviously, like a ton of Stripe's business is now coming from Shopify and. Uh, I thought that was pretty interesting that for the first time we kind of got a feel for how much of the pie they represent to each other. Hmm. Roman said that he stole it from me. I said it a year ago. So I fucking linked him. I retweeted it out. I said they should merge. There that sounds is. like a you and Roman problem. To bring it Roman. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, did you guys have any big fires uh, that you had to fight at all? Jason, it sounds like you just ate turkey and sipped wine and... We had um, no, we were just <laughs> look the growth team at Hexclad. We all we all checked in um, by by phone, uh, well by Zoom once a day, and then we were texting on a small group text thread during the day, just sort of thinking about spends because we do you know we do try to be efficient, and so there were some judgment calls regarding like what to do with spend, but you know, those, those conversations take minutes, not hours. So, um, no, and actually the thing that I'm most excited about is, um, well, last year we had such a hard time getting orders out. And I said this at the beginning of the year, hopefully you guys remember, I'm gonna give myself a little credit for something. I was like getting our ops dialed this year is going to be really big for us. It was like my number one priority. And all our Black Friday orders are out right now. Um, wow. Most of the weekend wow. orders are out right now. Nice. Uh, I just walked down the hall to customer service before this, and they're like, we are good. So <laughs> last year, ops and customer service were my biggest stressor, and literally zero stress from either of them. You were in the warehouse last year. I remember that. This like will be the first year I might aware. not have to label any boxes, guys. Yeah, that's that's awesome, Mike. What about you, man? Any any fires? So our, our biggest was today. We did a discount on our best selling product, and the, over the the weekend, the sale that we had was uh, one of these kind of progressive discounts where you spend X, you get X off; you spend Y, you get Y off. And then today we switched off that and we switched to just like a, a discount on our best product. And sure enough, you know, I'm talking to Brian this morning and he's like, "Uh Oh, that's not good. Amazon had scraped our prices. 
And without getting into all the gory details, uh, when you're, when you're one P when you're a vendor with Amazon, if they scrape a price and then they're selling it some absurdly low price, uh, then they'll come back and ask you for the difference. They'll be like, yep. Hey, you know, you were supposed to be at $30 retail. We saw you selling at 23. And so we just went ahead and dropped our price by seven and we need you to fund $7 on every unit we sold. <laughs> so it's, it's a fairly serious deal when their scraper does that. And, and we had to kind of mitigate that. So, um, I, I think everybody in e-com who sells on Amazon dealing with the scrapers and especially Amazon scrapers is always something you have to be cognizant of. And it's something that, we'll build strategy around next year. How do we not, um, you know, offend the scraper God of Amazon? Well, Mike, can you explain how that's a first party thing? Yeah. So the way first party works is they submit POs to us. We tell them, Hey, here are the things that we can send you from that PO. And then we send it all out and then we invoice them and they pay us for that. So the, we get paid before they actually sell the inventory. We get paid for shipping them in the inventory. Whereas, the most people sell in the marketplace. The marketplace is more of a consignment arrangement where you send in the inventory and then if and when Amazon sells it, they they pay you for it. So as a result, like we let's say we sell a hundred thousand of a tumbler to Amazon and Amazon says, okay, here's all your money. Um, and then something goes poorly uh, down the line with that tumbler and its sales often Amazon will come back and say, hey, you know, uh, because we had to sell at this reduced price for reason X, Y, or Z, you know, we'd like you to kick in here. That's that's probably the more partnership-friendly version of it. Sometimes they'll just they'll just take a deduction off your account and then you have to fight it. Th this is one of the, the kind of auto-debiting piece of, of working with retailers is one of the worst pieces where chargebacks, it's kind of like guilty until proven innocent, you know, they'll put a charge back and they'll just go ahead and deduct that. And then you have to go and fight to get it back. Uh, fortunately with Amazon, it's a little bit easier in situations like this because like, let's say, okay, I send the hundred thousand tumblers. They come back and say, Hey, we, you know, we sold some of these at cheaper prices because you were doing it on the website. Um, so we're going to ask for all this money and you can say, well, Hey, if you do that, we're going to stop shipping you that tumbler. So you at least have some leverage to be like, no, I don't just have to do that. But this is also where you hope that there's enough of a relationship. There really is some negotiating that goes on. And generally in e-com, there's not a lot of negotiating uh, because it's like, okay, this, I'm just, I'm, it's not like I call Facebook and be like, Hey, let's talk about that C CPM. You know, how about you knock 10% off of that? The it's, it's just kind of like, that's the number. And I paid it. Um, but the more you start to deal with first party vendor relationships with other retailers, the more that the relationship part of it and negotiation ends up coming into play. Hmm. Thank you, Mike. Yeah. Uh, do Amazon does other funky shit too. Like when you're not one P and you lose the buy box oh, for stupid. whatever reason, like that's, that's happened to us a bunch of times this year. If they 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 scrape and they find that you're cheaper somewhere else with three p, you just you lose the buy box. So yeah, um, that's that's the fun, right? That's that's the beauty of having a dot com. Like we control it. I can't imagine. I cannot imagine being in all the retailers that guys like Jeremy, I mean even you, Sean. Like you're in a bunch now. Like, it, I mean, we have one big retailer and they're, they're a monster. Like, I mean, they're great. They've been a great partner for us, but 
you know, it's there's a, there's a lot to those retail relationships. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of I, I can't imagine having like five of them. People keep reaching out to us and be like, you know, William Sonoma wants to talk to us. Macy's wants to talk to us. Like everyone wants to talk to us. I'm like, goes back to one of those panzerisms. Why? Tell me why I need to do this now? Because if I don't yeah. need to, I'm not doing it. <laughs> Jason, none of none of those are worth your time. Like simply, none of those could drive any meaningful volume for you compared to just one of your days, right? Like. Like William Simone, you're you're almost as big as they are. <laughs> it's like okay, like, yeah, you know, it, you know, they're they're important early if you're trying to build trust, but you're past that point. Like, well, look at Yeti as an example, Jason. Yeah. Like the goal is to eventually own your own distribution, and so you've gotten to that point. Like that's kind of the the end goal when you run consumer is that you're vertically integrated where most of your distribution is owned and you've, you've achieved that. So Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm kind of of the same opinion. One thing I will say though, just to kind of make another point about working with different retailers, the downside of omni-channel is there's so much room for conflict. There's so much opportunity for like, you know, why is, why is so-and-so doing this? And now, you know, this other partner is asking me why they've got a higher price by 50 cents. And there's a bunch of brain damage like that. The advantage to having all of these different partners is that it's a little bit like uh, what do they call it? A Mexican standoff where there, you know, it's like that because there are multiple people that you're working with, uh, you can always say it if one of your partners, Hey, if that doesn't work for you, there's other people it works for and we totally get it. And that's yeah. actually pretty important. Like you can never need a channel more than they need you. And it's tricky because almost always when you first start off with a channel, you do need them more than they yeah. need you. But if you don't progress to being able to credibly say, I can walk away, then you're going to end up getting deals that you don't like shoved down your throat. That's the legs of the stool thing. Like yeah. you just got to constantly be adding legs. Mike, yeah. You said an important thing about margin asks from Amazon first party because they price match. And I just want to highlight that that's not unique to Amazon at all. Every wholesaler, mm-hmm. if they they will price match without your permission and then they will come back and ask for margin dollars. And Amazon has the advantage that they can auto debit out of your account. If you hold a balance with a Walmart or a Nordstrom's or a Best Buy, maybe they'll try to do that, but they have an accounting team that you work with. So it's a lot easier for them not to auto debit you. It can just happen permissionlessly with Amazon. So that, that's that's one of the challenges there. But it's a tried and true practice. Everybody does it, not, not exclusive to Amazon, but something to watch out for. We, I'm just so not stressed about ops right now. And um, we're totally balancing the load using Fulfill in pretty real time. So we saw what was going on with orders. And we're like, oh, shoot, like our guys in Tennessee, they're going to be overloaded. They're just going to be overloaded. We got to shift. Like we just started moving states in fulfill, moving it around and boom, no problem at all. Like it was no way we could have done this last year. I mean, it would have like put a bullet in my head if this would have happened. It's amazing how easy it was because we put in the work with fulfill. We organized everything properly. And like I got an email from Sharoon. A couple of days ago, I was just like, hey, I know it's BFCM. If you need anything, call me. Like like what Sean said, not want to deal with, like not hiring any company, any vendor, unless you talk to the CEO. Like that, that was, we didn't need to talk to him because their team and our team did such a great job prepping for this. But um, 
we're going to do 150,000 orders in, in this month. Obviously, that's not a huge number for certain types of brands, but for us, it's a lot and big boxes. And we just, you know, we, we got to be really on our game and ful without Fulfill, there's no way I would be with a smile on my face today. Sean, what about you, man? Any, any Black Friday, Cyber Monday fuck-ups or surprises? I'll give you mine after. Okay. Amazon ads went down. I think I, I posted about this in all of the group chats. I tweeted about this, but there was a visa outage that the news didn't report because they didn't want to scare people from stop spending money. But visa didn't process a ton of transactions. And the way Amazon works in ads, they have a fucking ad platform from 1994 that processes like $30 billion. <laughs> and you can only, as far as my account, you can only have one card active at a time. The card was a visa. The card goes down. Ads just shut off. And if you have a balance, you can't add a new card for some fucking reason. So I, I had to just go to invoicing. It took me like 30 minutes to figure it out. But that was my big, big red flag. I was in there changing budgets. I was in there fucking around with it. And and Connor was making a lot of memes that like, how does it feel to, to, to be back in the ring? Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was that was it. I flew to to Salt Lake City. I surprised Connor for his birthday. We we took him to a courtside game for the Jazz. Um, nice. Oh, is that the photo you threw in the chat? Yeah, yeah. Super cool. Um, I also had ads go down, Sean. Except mine were on Google. Why? We we're on we're on terms with Google, and I guess there's some like account level spending limit ceiling you can put in place it's for a fucking year like it's not it's some weird ass thing it's not like here's your daily budget it's like at an account it's like don't spend more than this amount of money ever i'm like i didn't even know this was a setting and then whatever we set it to last august we blew through it on sunday the fucking so worst <laughs> So like my media buyers, like all of our Google ads are off in both, both businesses. So that was fun. And with Google, the unfortunate thing with Google is, uh, they're not awesome on the recovery. Like but as it's an amazing that that happened to you, Matt, because like, it just shows, goes to show you, you're so experienced in the space. I was talking to another brand that I'm close to and like basically meta cut them, cut them off like cut their spend because they'd gone too too far and like they were spending really profitably and it just like jacked up a day and a half during during the bfcm yeah yeah it's always like the the whole like you know check your cards and you know all that crap we've got systems for all that going into the weekend we do i didn't even know this was a setting like i've just never seen this box in google and I guess somebody on my team filled it out like 12 months ago and just picked a number <laughs> and never, we never went back and looked at the number. So, you know, lesson learned, got a system That's for a that now. Lesson. That is a lesson. Yep. Um, what is, uh, what's your take? I mean, maybe Sean, what's your take on like Black Friday? I saw like overall sales are up seven and a half percent, right? Is this... Is that good? Is that bad? I don't actually track this on a year over year basis. Like how does that comp to previous years? Was this a badass Black Friday or was this a this was a normal one? Yeah, what do you think inflation is? 
Because like it's not inflation adjusted. <laughs> it's not it's not a GDP number. So do you think inflation's three percent? That means you know the aggregate sales difference is four percent year over year. Uh, look, I think it's fine. I mean, online was bigger than in store, so I think it's seven percent blended. But I think online was up like ten percent or something. Like I, I don't actually right. have the exact data, but they they did bifurcate it. The other thing I'll say is, you know, Shopify up 20% or whatever. I think that's a good benchmark for people to compare themselves against. But Shopify added new stores. So Shopify looks a total yeah. GMV. Always something you have to remember. How much do you think their GMV has grown by new store additions? You know that, that that's a, a big focus point. So it's really hard to fucking say. I think the industry is still in a weird spot. Uh, you know, I, I would say it's light green. You know, it, we're not we're not in the deep green yet. I think it's it's a light green win. But to Jason wanted to bring this up at the beginning of the show. I tweeted this: this weekend does not matter. If you look like shit this weekend, turn around December. If you yep. look at a chart of share of disposable income when it gets deployed, December t- is twice as big as November. You should be able to have a bigger December than November. What's your peak day? What's peak peak for us? I, I on Amazon, I think it's the sixteenth. Maybe I'll look and get it. But like, when is the absolute peak for you guys? It's close to the shipping cutoff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's mid December. Like Lomi's heavily gifted, so it's definitely mid. Basically, like after this weekend. Like we don't ever see another day like Black Friday. Like that doesn't happen to us. But if you look at like December days, every single day climbs until cut off. And they're much bigger than days in November pre Black Friday. Like just the volumes are huge. Yeah. And I want to clarify, no other day comes close to Black Friday for us. No. It's it's the biggest day. It's it's a shopping bonanza. But starting Tuesday until the 18th of December, every day is a million dollar day. There's just way more of those days to just be had, right? Sean, do you pull back your offers starting Tuesday? Like, are they gone as of tonight? Or do you guys still run offers, you know, for the rest of the rest of the shopping season? We run offers, but they're not as good and they're more selective. Right now we have right. a doorbuster offer of $67 for an aluminum wallet. That goes away. You're not gonna be able to get that anymore. Um, but yeah, that's, that's actually a really interesting um, area to double down and or double click into here. Um, what do you do in December versus BFCM? So w- we kind of have our, our plan, um, which is our best deal of the year on the 12 piece set is going to go away after BFCM. But we'll do um, kind of like what Mike was talking about, probably uh, buy more, save more. Um, which which has worked well. We've tried it a couple times. I'm just sort of wondering um, because December is like uncharted territory for us because we've had all these issues with inventory, and this is the first year that we don't. So I'd love some uh, some wisdom from the group here, like BFCM versus uh, December holiday sales. Well, I mean, here's here's one thing just on that point because I mean I, I think this goes back to mix and where's your mix coming from. From 12-11, December 11th to December 17th last year, every single one of those days on Amazon was bigger than Black Friday for us. Wow. Now, obviously, you know, if you run deals, that can move things around and stuff. But like just to show 
that like Amazon is a is, as a machine just builds, builds, builds right into like the seventeenth, um, and it and it's still pretty strong right up until like the twentieth or something. Um, it it accumulates a bunch of as people start to hit their kind of shipping thresholds in D to C, Amazon hoards a bunch of that volume as you get closer to Christmas. Um, and then the, the physical retailers, they just build straight up to like Christmas. Like I'm looking, I'm looking at our target numbers, for example, like our biggest day on target last year was the 23rd. It's literally like, and our second biggest day was the 20, no, sorry. Our biggest, yeah. Our second biggest day was the 22nd. I mean, like it's like, it just builds right into basically Christmas Eve. Hmm. Yeah. Our biggest day is December, like mid-December. We build right up. Yeah. It's like, you know, December 12th to 15th last year. It was like those days were all really big. And then our shipping cutoff is like the 19th, I think on D2C. And then you get like a little bit more on Amazon, but it definitely builds. And, you know, CPAs are still efficient for us in December. Like we still like it. So a question I have for you guys, at what point do you start thinking about dumping certain types of inventory because it's an advantageous environment and you don't want to necessarily roll into Q1 with certain pieces of inventory or, or do you mess with that? Because there's going to be like kind of to your point, Sean, like obviously it's easy for us to talk about kind of the problems you deal with when things are going well on this, but some of us are dealing with the problems that happen when things aren't going as well as expected. Um, so I'd be curious to hear how you guys deal with that. When you found yourself heavy, uh, how aggressively do you look to unload stuff when demand is still high? Um, Sean, why, you know what, Sean, I'm curious your take on this. Well, we, we probably are the least experienced because we don't have seasonal items or size based items. So we never really have to dump that much inventory. If I had to do it, I would point to Q5 and let's talk about that sales distribution. So December is always our biggest revenue month and it has the best MER out of any month. So it's really our cash cow month because sales, you know, just like you guys were saying, up until the 12th, 13th, 14th, 15th on dot com continue to spike and then they, then they start going down. So we have a 15 day ramp up of sales and on Amazon, it goes until Last year, the 18th was the biggest day on Amazon. So another ramp up there. Then like a brick on basically December 20th, ad revenue, or sorry, ad costs on Facebook go to zero. Like CPMs are at their highest and then they go to the lowest that they're ever going to be because you cannot guarantee delivery. So starting 12.25, we run Q5 ads, which are just hyper-focused, low CPM gift giving or, or buy yourself, treat yourself, whatever. And those can run with low CPMs all the way till Valentine's Day. So, you know, you can make a ton of money starting 1224 up until 214. And that period can be almost a November. It's not going to be as good as December for us, but like that, you know, six week period can, can be huge. Take advantage of that. Get ad yep. matchback credit and run it then. That's what we're doing. That's our plan. So that's where our dump shit, Mike. Yeah. Yep. I um, like that Q5. I've never heard somebody refer to it like that before, Sean, but that's a good, that's a, that's yeah. a trademark right there. I, st we, I stole we, it from Meta. Yeah. I was going to say Q5 is a, <laughs> Meta uh, we love on Q5. The Q5 thing also. And I, I agree with them. And I actually like, 
you know, there's two aspects to Q5, right? There's treat yourself like around Christmas. And then at least for us, it's new year, new you right after that, right? Because yep, us like, too. Let's get healthy. Let's cook some delicious meals yeah. at home with Hexclad. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. It uh, Jason, TV is also great in the last week of December. Like if you want like some cheap ass CPMs where people are just sitting around sucking up screen time, Christmas. It's great. Yeah. On New Year, New You, Mike, I would take your inventory. I would shoot sports-focused ads and I would run the hell out of those in Q1. Get active, drink mm-hmm. water, whatever. That's your Q5 campaign. So I my, like I had this conversation with my CMO last week as like volume started to like we were we launched our sort of like black friday offer on like november 15th and immediately started doubling year over year in volumes and at that point i'm like man if this keeps up we're, we're we definitely didn't get enough inventory um so my like my view of this from a inventory perspective mike is this is these are the cheapest cpas you'll get all year and you should sell the most amount of shit you can possibly sell in this month, like in this like five week period. And if that means that you sell out and don't have something in January, amazing. Like why would you hold on to any inventory till to, to, until CPAs are higher? Mm-hmm. Just like always take the cheapest customer acquisition. So if you've got inventory to dump, do it. Like it's not going to get any cheaper to, to get rid of stuff at any other point in the year than it is right now. My standout moment for Sendlane was in the chat this weekend when one of our our friends was having a really hard time on Black Friday and uh, it, like some issue with email. I don't know the details of it, but it was an email issue. And the first thing that Sean said in response to that, and this is a testament to why you should consider Sendlane and why they're a good sponsor, is just email Jimmy. And it's like, Jimmy, Sendlane's not even this guy's provider but the reputation that Sendlane is building is that you're in the shit. They'll at least help you. Like that to me is such a mark of confidence in a, in a SaaS platform. Like I've never, I've never seen that. Dude, I've been doing this a long time. I've never seen somebody say like, you're on a competitor's product. Go ahead and give that person a call. So shout out to Jimmy for building a killer brand. So Hell far. yeah. It's Jimmy's calling card on Twitter. He posts every Sunday that he's available to help. And Clavio closes support on Sunday. Do you know? I just think. It's just, it's like, he's crushing it, man. So massive shout out to Sunlane for the support on the pod. For, you know, we haven't switched over yet, but I have an email issue where our normal Gmail issue, it wasn't even about Clavio or anything. It was our normal Gmails were getting marked as spam. Jimmy joined our Slack and talked to our team and fixed the issue. Yeah, I mean it's it's like the seasonal the seasonal stuff like sports licensed is I feel like always where this comes up the most for us. Where okay, we've got whatever, we've got a ton of Cincinnati Bengals stuff. Do we just sit on that inventory for a year or do we light it on fire? One of the things that the the problems I've seen is that and maybe some of this is working with Amazon is that it's difficult to gracefully light stuff on fire. I've learned like if you're like, 
I'm going away from this forever. Like I can burn that bridge, but like the whole, like I'm going to kind of soft landing this thing, you know, is very difficult because we've had, we've had times on Amazon where we'll cut price on an item by 25% and run rates have gone eight X on us. And so by the, by the time you realize what's happening, because we don't have real time reporting. So by the time you even realize what's happening, like you've already like completely smoked your position and you went from thinking, oh, we had, you know, whatever, nine months of cover, we wanted three and now you've got zero months of cover. So, uh, I think, I think that makes sense though, what you're saying, Matt, about, you know, like, Hey, you acquire the customers when they're the cheapest. Although Sean, your point you made earlier, I think is a good one, which is, you know, don't have a marketed sale when you can have an organic sale, when you can have organic sales instead, right? Yeah. Dude, and inventory is an asset, right? So we are not public companies. I think we all have flexible cash flow needs. And if you have to hold something a little bit longer, hold it. I mean, that was that was that was Ridge's motto forever. We had years of inventory on hand because it's like, yeah, an aluminum gunmetal wallet's basically a hundred dollar bill. So like, why would I want to sell that for fifty bucks? Right? I'll just keep it for as long as possible. Now, mm-hmm. if you really are in a pinch, this is not for people who are crushing it. TJ Maxx is a great partner. If you have to get rid of stuff, we've never used them, but every designer does. James yep. Burst mm-hmm. does like $35 million a year with TJ Maxx. They can make stuff disappear. If you have Bengals water bottles, they will they will take them, they will get them in people's hands, and it will not fuck up your Amazon listings, your price matches. I was going to say, it's the number one reason to do that is that they don't have channel conflict. They don't well, do it on any it, online at all. Sean mentioned this, but I talked to a buyer at HomeGoods once. Um, and we were, we've worked with TJ Maxx. We've worked with, uh, who's the other one I'm thinking of? I'm, I'm blanking on the other Ross, uh, Ross. Yeah. We've worked with both of them. Um, but they will turn inventory in store something like 45 times a year. I mean, they, they, it's just like, it is there and it is gone, which is also to your point, Sean, it's easy to think. And, and this actually, I'll, I'll go on a little rant here. Like, when you talk to people that haven't gotten to scale in, in D2C, a lot of times you'll ask them, hey, why are you doing this thing? And they're like, well, I got to protect the brand. I got to protect the brand. And it's like, no, bro, you got to get to scale. Like, And no one's going to remember how you priced this thing on November 25th when you were selling 50,000 units a year. Nobody's going to remember that. Like you think that like it's this bias that we have. It's called spotlight bias. Spotlight bias basically says that I always overestimate how much people are thinking about me, right? But we can do the same exact thing with our brands. We can have this form of spotlight bias where we think that everything that we do will be so much more remembered or so much more focused on by customers than it actually is. And so like to your point, Sean, the biggest brands in the world, some of the most premium brands in the world sell to TJ Maxx. One of the reasons why they like it is because the stuff gets into TJ Maxx and then it's gone. It's like, people, they're not associated with TJ Maxx and being on the shelves there constantly, but it's a way for them to move inventory. And so even, even when you are at scale, sometimes some people that are very conscious about brand, I mean, Yeti sells to TJ Maxx, for example, or I've seen Yeti there before. It's a, it's a helpful sales channel for getting inventory that's slow moving or, or, or just not helping you off the books. One warning though, I will say about this, and this is the way most things in life are. 
if you try to do the same thing everybody else is doing at the same time that everybody else is trying to do it, it's going to go badly for you. So when everybody was heavy on inventory, guess what TJ Maxx was doing? It was absolutely skinning people alive. Like the prices that they were buying things for were absurdly low because everybody wanted to sell their inventory to TJ Maxx. Everybody was heavy. The The time to be doing deals like that is when, you know, they're every, not everybody's trying to do it because TJ Maxx has to have a steady inflow of high quality product that's at discounted prices. Um, so as long as you're not trying to do it with everybody else, works fantastic. Spotlight bias. Panzer. Yeah. You got a better Panzerism than that? That's a good one. I mean, I do have a Panzerism <laughs> if we want one. I, I have prepared, but do we, do we have time? We are 70 minutes in. I think we are due. I, I feel like you want it. to shut it down. Yeah, more? I could use. I mean, I just got wiser. We'll make. I'll make. A, I'll do a quick one. <laughs> um, one of my favorite movies ever, Goodfellas. Right? Can we all agree? Sean, is that? Are you? Are you old enough to know what Goodfellas was? <laughs> oh yeah, dude. I I actually own the DVD and I I, I watched it often. <laughs> I'm just so, surprised Sean knows what a DVD is. I. <laughs> all right. Today's Panzerism is is. A, from Goodfellas, it's it's the second half of this statement by Robert De Niro when um, Ray Liotta, as a kid, he gets out of jail and he was, he was arrested selling cigarettes. And like when he when he bust when they got him out on bail, they said, uh, "Never rat out your friends and always keep your mouth shut." So let's talk <laughs> about the second one. Always keep your mouth shut. Um, it's amazing to me how like the oversharing that goes on both on social media, but moreover in business. So there, I was just, I was in a meeting the other day with some, with, with someone who doesn't work for us full time, but who's been doing a lot of things for us for a long time. And we're, and, and I'm just sitting there, I'm listening. I'm like, the, the things that are coming out of your mouth, it's like, dude, be quiet. Don't like know when to say things and know when not to say things. And everyone has this like, constant requirement of validation and wanting to speak and it's like stop it stop trying to flex like one of the best ceos i've ever known because i worked for him his name was phil hadley look him up he was a cfo ceo of fact set fds new york stock exchange and he would sit in a meeting and he would just listen he just sat there and would listen. And it when I was sitting in this other meeting the other day, and it's like the, like people saying things that they, just, they didn't need to say, and honestly, like making a mess of shit, right? So it's like, stop oversharing, keep your fucking mouth shut on this. Unless you know that what you're about to say is really, really important. Stop trying to like, everyone's trying to prove themselves with words just prove yourself by putting up numbers by putting up results that's it that's all i got ironic that we do a podcast where all we do is share our thoughts <laughs> <laughs> this is a good one just for that reason i'm gonna i'm gonna flash something here Dude. i'm not keeping my mouth shut um <laughs> i love that's, it i that's love how, it there, somebody That's just got how a, a Cyber Monday peak. is going. We just had our best hour of the day, Sean. So people are home on the East Coast. 7 p.m. Eastern time. Let's hope it. Let's hope it keeps cranking. I hope everybody cranks. Yeah, I think I think you're, 
you'll have three more record hours in a row. It'll just continue to go up. Um, that will be the thumbnail, just the Jason screenshot. No, sh- no I would get in so much trouble. Do not. Do not. That's a deep end. That's the deep end, Sean. Jason has a special yeah, surprise yeah. for everyone at the end of the pod if you stay. I love enough. it. They get the, Your listeners are getting a sneak peek into our chat right now. That's what we get to see. Yeah. And um, uh, if you need a small loan of a million dollars, there's a guy you could, you could email. <laughs> let me introduce you to the bank. His name is Jason. <laughs> Dude, that's your new nickname, Jason the Bank, dude. No, the Jason way, the you, Bank. The way you put up the ball. I, I mean, I, I'm a, I'm gonna say there's there's some other people here that have bigger bank. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Danny, Danny the Bank. <laughs> dude, you should. Uh, we should. We should do founder episodes. I can get uh, Daniel on. You could get Danny on. I think. Yeah. I uh, think dude, I should bring Jeremy on. Yeah, Jeremy uh, invented the freaking material. That Mike can bring Brian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be great. Little, little, you know. Bring your co-host day. It'll be it'll be a lot of fun. <laughs> like your buddy. Yeah. Right, yeah. Enjoy buddy. Cyber Monday. <laughs> Bye everybody. All right, boys. See y'all.